Hello and welcome to RG's Poetry Pickle Jar, the only place where we pickle the poems we know you'll love. Each week, we get a poet into the studio to chat about a poem they love with all their being, and we hope by the end of the podcast, you will love it too. This week, we're joined by a poet who has continued to help me personally throughout my journey. And any poet knows you're only worth the poets that are around you. She's been the sort of poet I can send drafts to, the sort of poet I can discuss ethical issues as well as political issues with, and the sort of poet who does not just do poetry for the poems, but for the community it brings. As well as all that, she has her own book recently released under flipped eye called Overrun by Wild Balls, poems that speak of her background and identity, moving with grace and elegance while uncovering and investigating political issues here and abroad. She has been commended for a whole heap of prizes and featured in a whole heap of magazines and she is currently in Michigan doing an MFA. It is, of course, Maya Elston. Maya, how are you doing? Hey, RG, it's so good to chat to you. Lovely to see your face. I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing really good and I'm excited to have you here. How is it there in Michigan at the moment? What temperature is it? So it's actually warm today. It's like one degree. So we're <laughs> celebrating. <laughs> it's wow. been minus 10. We're like looking into the beginnings of a blizzard. Is that good for writing? Like just watching out your window snow? I wouldn't suppose it is. I feel like, you know, when you watch the world transform, something happens. Not sure it's yeah. good for writing, but I think there is definitely this like amazing thing, which is yesterday was a co- we were in a completely different universe at minus 10. And today, it, by tonight, it will be another universe. So there we go. <laughs> and, and, and what about the transformation from uh, UK to America? I mean, I've had some Americans on here and I've also this season we've got Paula Harris from New Zealand and it's one thing that's been interesting is not so much the poems that people bring because that's interesting but people bring different poets but the style of critiquing in America I think the critical space is like there's a lot of depth in America is that a true fact or is that something I've just picked up I definitely can't um, speak for the whole of the US because as I'm learning, the UK is the size of Oregon. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> so everything has like exploded my ideas. Um, but I do think that they ask a lot of questions here about poems. So rather than like necessarily giving like critique or line edits, a lot of it is just like these rhetorical questions about what the poem is doing, what it can be. So that's been an interesting shift. Uh, you brought in a poem today, which is really exciting poem. Before saying why you chose it, do you want to share it with us and then? Yeah, I'd love to. So um, this is a poet by Zbigniew Herbert. He's a Polish poet. Um, and yeah, it's called Five Men. It's from. It's actually in translation. Um, so it's from the, it's translated by Szeslaw um, Milosz. And Peter Dale Scott. I um, mean, it's from the um, International Echo Anthology of International Poetry, which is um, edited by Ilya Kaminsky and Susan Harris. Um, so it's five men in translation. One, they take them out in the morning to the stone courtyard and put them against the wall. Five men, two of them very young, the others middle aged. Nothing more can be said about them. Two, 
When the platoon level their guns, everything suddenly appears in the garish light of obviousness. The yellow wall, the cold blue, the black wire on the wall instead of the horizon. That is the moment when the five senses rebel. They would gladly escape like rats from a sinking ship. Before the bullet reaches its destination, the eye will perceive the flight of the projectile. The ear record a steely rustle. The nostrils will be filled with biting smoke. A petal of blood will brush the palate. The touch will shrink and then slacken. Now they lie on the ground, covered up to their eyes with shadow. The platoon walks away. Their button straps and steel helmets are more alive than those lying beside the wall. Three. I did not learn this today. I knew it before yesterday. So why have I been writing unimportant poems on flowers? What did the five talk of the night before the execution? Of prophetic dreams, of an escapade in a brothel, of automobile parts, of a sea voyage, of how when he had spades he ought not to have opened, of how vodka is best after wine you get a headache, of girls, of fruit, of life. Thus, one can use in poetry names of Greek shepherds. One can attempt to catch the color of morning sky, right of love, and also, once again, in dead earnest, offer to the betrayed world a rose. Yes, thanks so much. It's great. It's, it's, it's um, not a poet that I'd heard of before. I did read his back cat, uh, like his bio. Th thanks for sending that through. But at the same time, I kind of feel like uh, the poem stands on its own in so many ways. How did you, um, why did you come to this poem? Why did you choose this one? So um, I actually came across this poem like really recently, like a week ago. Um, and I was like, yes, I'm going to send it to RG and let's talk about this one. Um, I think I, I was really moved by the ending, to be honest. Same. Because I just found that... Um, it's like for me a statement of like what is poetry <laughs> what can poems do and i find it very moving because it's not a statement that poems change the world you know they don't delay the execution they don't stop the execution from happening they don't reinvent the world and try to change anything but it's just that it's just this tiny little thing once again in dead earnest offer to the betrayed world arose that's it. It's just a rose. And there's something about the littleness of that. And also the bigness of like this thing that blooms, that grows, that maybe has a life of its own. Is it enough? Probably not. Does it change anything? Probably not. And yet it is this thing that can live and can blossom. And so I found that like really, really beautiful, basically. Yeah, um, I, I I agree. I think also like that fourth section that um what did the five talk of the night before the execution hits it on the head as well because some of these uh, issues I think what people find difficulty with talking political issues is like oh I have to take a stance on it I have to say like what happened and then I have to hit you with dates but as poets or as poems, they don't necessarily have to hit like all the historical details. Actually, what people are more interested in 
is a conversation about automobile parts or an escapade in a brothel that was spoken about during that time. Yeah. And I love that he said that. Um, totally. It's really and interesting. That, yeah. And I think if you actually look at the poem, like exactly as you say, like there's actually not very much information about the five people, right? Like the first section, it's just, they're just referred to as them, five men. And you don't even know very much about like later you find out it's a platoon. So then you get the sense that it's an army and, you know, this is obviously like some sort of state killing. But actually, apart from the platoon, there's not that much information. And it's exactly like that thing of the emphasis is just the normal things that make up people's lives. That's what they are, right? They're not these people who have done X, Y, Z. They're a group of people who are talking about a sea voyage and of playing cards, like, and the mistakes you played, you know, the mistakes you, you made by playing cards, right? You, you, when you had spades, you ought not to have opened and yeah. a hangover, like the normal little things that make up everyday existence. And I think it's almost like having that long list of, of prophetic dreams of an escapade in a brothel and then going to this offer to the betrayed world. And I feel like that is such a beautiful, heartbreaking phrase, the betrayed world. Um, it feels like that you go from kind of the littleness of life, which is also all the bigness, right? It's all the ordinary things that make up our lives to this one beautiful image. I mean, obviously when you come down to something like that, um, it's hard to pull off because it's like, now I am the poet and it's a bit of a um, Werther's original moment to say, I did not learn this today. I knew it before yesterday. I agree, it is very stark and it's definitely like, some people might not like that turn to like the poet, right? Um, but I think he does it so carefully. Um, and that I think, you know, it's really interesting this line, like, so why have I been writing unimportant poems on flowers? And I feel like that is a big statement and a big like question for all of us who write of like, why is it that we write about the things we write given that we live in this world? And I think that's like an ongoing question maybe for like all of our lives. But it's really interesting this question because actually this poem is not about flowers. So he says this, so why have I been writing unimportant poems on flowers? Where are the flowers? Because even the rose at the end is not really a rose. It's really like a, a, an exploration of what is possible and what is not possible in a world where people are being shot by a platoon against the wall. That, you know, mm. that for me is what the rose is. It's like... Um, how much can you change? Maybe you can just grow this one thing because mm. you're not going to stop the army. And the other, you know, I think there's a moment in which you get a petal of blood. But apart yeah, from the, on the second blood, part. Yeah, the second, the second part, apart yeah. from the petal of blood and this unimportant poems on flowers, there are no flowers in this. It's just the platoon and the five and this moment that they go through all the five senses the eye will perceive the flight of the projectile, the ear record a steely rustle, the nostrils will be filled with light and smoke. Yeah, it's really interesting you should say that, actually, because, yeah, I was taking that um, also to take, uh, to realise that he had written loads of unimportant poems about flowers, uh, but they, he hasn't showed us those poems. So it's also about the role of poetry for him, like, to provide himself uh, his own mental health with a rose like as a loose metaphor to give him hope for the future it is like a symbol of hope i would say yeah 
It's interesting though, because then the third section goes back to what, what did the five talk of the night before the execution? So there's this very interesting thing of like um, keeping alive the memory of life. Yeah. Yeah. And so even though the moment of, you, you, there's a focus in the section two, there's a focus on all of the senses before death. Mm. And there's this heightened experience, sensory experience, right? The eye, the ear, the nostrils, the palate, the touch. Then the moment of death is not touched on at all, which I, I think is actually very deeply moving also, because it's this, you know, huge question of what is it to, what is it to die? Mm. And then we go back to actually this moment of intense humanity just before, you know, the night before. And I think that's like a very beautiful way of honouring life rather than fixating on death. I think, you know, um, it's so difficult to, to write about something like this, like a, a, a shooting done by an army in ways that are not voyeuristic. Yeah, not, I know. That's... Not in terms of spectatorship. You know, this isn't, it's not a fascination with violence. And I think this poem does it really well, partly because, you know, there are these statements, nothing more can be said about them. There isn't a kind of like intense fascination with who these people are. What have they done? Why are they being killed? Because actually it's really pared back. You know, you just have in the second section, the garish light of obviousness. I think that's... Love that a, one, yeah. Yeah, so good. And then this other, in the next stanza, the black wire on the wall instead of a horizon. You know, it's just these, like, he turns lines in such a delicate way um, to kind of take you into a completely different realm alongside this, like, very pared back journalistic lines. I think it's kind of very moving. And then suddenly, you know, and then, and then the rose at the end comes as, like, an entire surprise. That yeah. Beautiful. And I think that is done, I mean, it's kind of, it's, it was really fascinating to me when I read it because I was like, a rose is such, in a way, it's like such a cliched image, you know? <laughs> and yeah, you know, you would, you know, roses and thorns, this is like a theme in poetry since like forever. Um, it's one of those things, you know, never write about the rose because you can't pull it off. Mm -hmm. And here he manages to have the rose as this like completely mysterious, magical surprise moment at the very end. I think that's the ultimate test, isn't it? If you can bring a moon or rose into in or the word shimmering into a poem <laughs> and it not sound shit then yeah. you've done something good yeah and yeah. not only not sound shit but like it'd be a shock being like whoa that's yeah. great you know this is like the gift of the poem i also think there's like really a statement just a bit more you know a bit earlier on in that stanza in that final stanza one can attempt to catch the color of morning sky I think coming after this long list of what might the five have talked about the night before the execution, you know, it's almost like it's worth it to attempt to catch the colour of morning sky because those are the things that matter to people, you know, writing of love also after this of prophetic dreams of an escapade in a brothel of automobile parts, the colour of morning sky like goes with that list, right? Yeah. It's the, the, the little things that are, are the mysteries of the world about us. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I find that quite interesting also. Thanks, Maya. Thanks for bringing it and bringing it to our attention on the pickle jar. I really appreciate it. It's been great to talk, Arjun. Five Men by Ziganu Herbert Translated by Cheslaw Milos and Peter Dale Scott One they take them out in the morning to the stone courtyard 
and put them against the wall. Five men, two of them very young, the others middle-aged, nothing more can be said about them. Two. When the platoon level their guns, everything suddenly appears in the garish light of obviousness. The yellow wall, the cold blue, the black wire on the wall instead of a horizon. That is the moment when the five senses rebel. They would gladly escape like rats from a sinking ship. Before the bullet reaches its destination, the eye will perceive the flight of the projectile, the ear record a steely rustle, the nostrils will be filled with biting smoke, a petal of blood will brush the palate, the touch will shrink and then slacken. Now they lie on the ground, covered up to their eyes with shadow. The platoon walks away, their buttons, straps and steel helmets are more alive than those lying beside the wall. 3. I did not learn this today, I knew it before yesterday, so why have I been writing unimportant poems on flowers? What did the five talk of the night before the execution? Of prophetic dreams, of an escapade in a brothel? of automobile parts, of a sea voyage, of how, when he had spades, he ought not to have opened, of how vodka is best after wine, you get a headache of girls, of fruit, of life. Thus, one can use in poetry names of Greek shepherds, one can attempt to catch the colour of morning sky, right of love, and also once again, in dead earnest, offer to the betrayed world a rose.